Well, if you have a Bible, you can open to the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, which is where we'll be. Uh, We're going to be getting back to Luke next week. Looking forward to that as we start 2021. Um, This morning we're in Ecclesiastes. Um, We all know what this year has been. I don't need to give you the rundown of the events. Uh, We don't need to relive it. But uh, it has been a particularly difficult year for our world, and it has been a difficult year for our nation in a myriad of ways, and I'm sure it has been difficult for you, and everybody has been affected differently. We have folks that are at home watching this morning who never dreamed that uh, when they came here on the second Sunday of March, uh, that might be the last time that they would be in church uh, on a Sunday morning in 2021, uh, at least in the physical church. They've been at church with us each Sunday, Uh, but uh, that's the life they've been living, and um, some of you never would have dreamed that uh, at some point in March when you walked into your work building, that was the last time you were going to go there, and that you'd be working remotely at home, or that you would be uh, losing a job maybe, having to get a new job because of what happened with COVID. There's um, a lot of ways that we've all been affected. I remember seeing a video from New Year's Eve 2019 of the actress Drew Barrymore. And she was like, 2020, woo! it's going to be our year, humanity. It's going to be the best year ever. I can feel it. And she felt wrong. I mean, she was really wrong, <laughs> right? Um, but I have to say that I found myself doing this thing this year that I don't think is too good. I've heard others doing it as well, where we write off the days and we start counting on tomorrow. So you remember back when COVID first kind of hit us in March and in April, people said, well, when the weather gets warmer, things will be better. And so we started counting off the days until we could just get to warmer weather. And then, well, once the election comes, things will be better. And so we start just counting off the days of the election. Well, once we get the vaccine, things are going to be better. And I think this is a very human way for us to talk, but from a biblical perspective, it's not a healthy way for us to talk, it's not a wise way for us to talk. So as we head into 2021, I want us to see that, I want us to see that there's a better way for us to approach our lives, and there's a better way for us to think about and talk about tomorrow as we uh, get ready for this new year. Uh, Ecclesiastes, if you've never read it before, it is Solomon's treatise on, on seeing the world correctly, having the right view of life uh, under the sun. Uh, Cards on the Table is my favorite Old Testament book, maybe my favorite book of the Bible in general. I go to it all the time. It just speaks my heart language. Uh, it, it, it gets me. I know that the Lord gets me when I read the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, I encourage you to read it in its entirety, and maybe even before the ball drops in a few days. I guess they're still doing that in New York City. I don't think anybody's going to be there for it, but uh, they're still going to drop the ball. Uh, I, I would encourage you to read the entire book of Ecclesiastes before uh, January 1st comes. You can get through it. It's 12 chapters, and uh, it will have a lot to say to you about how you approach the, the new year. But it's a really simple book. Solomon, in the first five and a half chapters, is investigating the world. He is turning over every stone, and he is trying to figure out uh, what does the world have to offer? Where is their meaning? Where is their purpose? What should I be focusing my attention on? What should be my priority? So that's what he's doing for the first five and a half chapters. And then the rest of the book 
is him explaining to us what he has discovered. It's him uh, unveiling to us what he has found. And so this passage we're reading this morning is toward the end, and it is uh, included in the section where he is sharing what he has discovered, what he has concluded about the world that we live in. So Ecclesiastes 11, let me read for us starting in verse 7. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Father, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. I pray, God, that all of our hearts are ready to listen. We've gotten uh, through Christmas, and I, I hope that it was a blessed time, Lord, of worship for us, a blessed time with family, a blessed time maybe developing new traditions because old ones were impossible, um, maybe traditions that we don't want to be traditions and that we hope to never do again. Uh, but whatever Christmas looked like, we have January 1st staring us in the face now. And we need to be ready as believers to approach this year in a way that's going to honor you and that's going to give you the glory you deserve. So may we work to that end in your scriptures this morning. Uh, speak, Lord. Let us uh, put sin away in our hearts and not love it. And let us love you. And let us agree with you once again that sin is evil and turn from it. And uh, let us... Uh, God, come to you in faith again through your Son, Jesus Christ, this morning, relying solely on His grace and His strength, not just to get us through this time as we're studying the Word, um, not just relying on Him to give us eyes to see, but uh, giving us, Lord, uh, your grace to apply the Word to our lives so that we could live rightly in a way that's going to bring you honor and that's going to magnify your worth uh, to the world around us. So uh, we, we pray you enable, enable all of that this morning and that you would truly be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing Solomon says here is that light is sweet. And when he says light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun, he's talking about your life. He's saying life is sweet. Uh, we know that because in verse 8 he also compares life and, and living to darkness. So light is sweet is Solomon saying to us that life is sweet. Life is good. Maybe we've forgotten that this year, but life is a gift from God, and it is filled with all sorts of great joys, and just as it's pleasant for you to walk outside, maybe after days, you know, you have a few rainy days, and it's been cold, and it's been kind of nasty, and you walk outside, and it's warmer, and the sun is shining, and that is pleasant for your eyes to see, Solomon is saying that it is pleasant for us to enjoy the goodness of this life. There's a lot of good things in this life. Uh, some of them are really big things, like being a friend or having a friend. Those, those are big things, and they are good. The love and the intimacy of marriage is a big thing, and it is good. Being a parent is good. Being a grandparent is good. These are sweet things in life. Doing the thing that God has gifted you to do specifically, has wired you to do, doing that thing and doing it to the best of your ability and knowing you are doing exactly what He wants you to do with your time and with your energy and with your talent and with your treasure. 
That is a sweet thing in this life. Rejoicing over the success of your children is a sweet thing. Celebrating the milestones of our lives and of our calendars with the people that are around us, with the people that we love in our lives, this is a a sweet thing. These these are all kind of big things in our lives that are, are worthy of us celebrating, and we should love these things and enjoy these things and agree with Solomon that life is sweet. There are a lot of other things we can mention that are smaller things that might slip by us, that we might enjoy without ever stopping to really thank God for. Just having a good meal at a great restaurant. Or having a really good home-cooked meal, right? Um, Warm days in the spring as flowers are blooming. For those of you who don't have allergies, really enjoy that. Uh, Not my favorite time of the year, uh, but I do enjoy the the actual uh, temperature during that time of the year. My favorite time of the year is the fall. That's a sweet time for me. I, I love the crispness in the air. I love the fact that Uh, The holidays are on the way. I love the sound of the leaves under your feet. I love the way the leaves look on the trees before they fall. Um, My brother-in-law had a baby, uh, him and his wife, five months ago. And yesterday was the first time I really got to hold this kid and, and mess around with him. He is a linebacker. This child is massive. He is the size of my one and a half year old daughter already. He is huge. Uh, And I got to play with this kid yesterday and just the sound of his laughter and um, just him cooing and giggling. That's a sweet thing. The sound of a senior saint praying to their Lord is a sweet thing. Your favorite team winning a championship is a sweet thing. Getting together with friends and laughing so hard you feel like you're going to actually throw up right? That's a sweet thing. Sunday afternoon naps where you're kind of dozing off and you have no responsibilities is a sweet thing. Eating good steak, eating good cake, both of them are sweet things. Listening to good music, reading a good book. We could go on. Our life is packed with all of these sweet blessings and we should enjoy them. It's biblical to enjoy them. We should live our lives to the fullest as long as we are able to live them. If a person lives many years, Solomon says, let him do what? Rejoice in them. Find joy in the years. As long as you can. Count your blessings and enjoy it. Because the reality is, is they're not all like that. In fact, Solomon says, let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. This is the contrast. There are days in our lives in which we suffer. There are days in our lives where we have great sorrow in our hearts, where we are depressed, where we suffer loss, we suffer physical pain and emotional pain. There are days where we're frustrated with our own sin, those old sins we thought we were done with rear their head again. We come back to the Lord. Lord, i got to have the same conversation with you again. There are days where we are frustrated with the sin in somebody else's life that we love. One of the common threads you see in all religions is this reality that to exist is to suffer. Now the difference between biblical Christianity and the rest of the religions on the earth is that we know why the darkness comes. We know why the dark days exist. It's because of sin that was committed in the garden by Adam and Eve. Sin that brought the moral fall of humanity and brought the curse of death into the world. That brought darkness into the world. 
And we also know from our faith, we also know from the Word of God that we trust, that the only answer for the dark days is the darkest day when the Son of God suffered and died on the cross in our place as our substitute to reverse the curse of death, to bring life back to people. And we know that one day, and we talked about this in our message last week, we know that one day God is going to make all things right through His Son Jesus, that His Son is going to return. And that He will put an exclamation point on the work of the cross and on the work of the resurrection by coming back and punishing all evil. And He will establish His kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth for His people forever. But that day hasn't come yet. So as the people of God living on this earth, we still feel the darkness. We still have the dark days. So in light of that, you ought to enjoy every day that's not dark as much as you can possibly enjoy it. Another reason as to why we should enjoy life is because all is vanity. Right? This is what Solomon says. All that comes is vanity in verse 8. This is a recurring theme in Ecclesiastes. So early on in Ecclesiastes, in verse 2, Solomon says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then that's his chorus that he comes back through throughout the book. He just keeps telling us this, that all is vanity. Um, it becomes his refrain. The Hebrew word there for vanity is havel. I need a lot more spit in the back of my throat to say it correctly. But havel is the word there, and it can mean vanity, it can also mean futile, and it can mean fleeting. And so the message of Ecclesiastes is essentially that life under the, the, the sun, life on this earth, is meaningless and it goes quick. Now, it's meaningless if you try to find your worth and you try to find your identity and you try to find your hope in anything other than God. That's when life is meaningless. That's when all is vanity. So if you want to find your identity in money, then life is going to be meaningless ultimately for you. You want to find your identity in youth, life is ultimately going to be meaningless for you. You want to find your purpose and your meaning in sex or in entertainment or in power, then you are going to waste your life. In fact, if you read those first five and a half chapters of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tries all of that stuff. He pursues all of that stuff. He tries to find meaning in all of that stuff. And every time he keeps coming back to the end of the cul-de-sac and having to turn around and go, all is vanity. This stuff's not working for me. Got to find something else. And at the end of the book, his great conclusion is essentially worship God. That's where meaning is found. Not under the sun, but above the sun. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. The end of the matter... All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. See, Solomon was very rich because Solomon was royal. If you're not super rich, you can't try everything on the earth because you don't have the money for it. But if you're a king, you can literally try everything. You don't have any boundaries when it comes to money. So he tried all of it, and in the end, he came to this one conclusion Fear God, keep His commandments. Worship the Lord. If you spend your life consumed with the here and now, 
consumed with anxiety about the here and now to the point that you never even stop to enjoy the here and now. Because some people do that. They're so worried about what's going on in the earth, they don't actually enjoy their life on the earth. Then you will get to the end of your life, your fleeting life will have blown by you, and it will leave you empty-handed. And in the dark days, you will look back and you will wonder why you did not enjoy the light more. You'll wonder, what happened to the light? So the basic message of verses 7 and 8 is what? It's life's got a lot of darkness in it. Your vain life is going to come and go very quickly, so stop and smell the roses. Breathe in deep. Take in all the joy for as long as you can. I think it's a good word for us as we leave 2020. So much of our last year was once the election is over, things will get better. Once the curve is flattened, things will get better. Once we have a vaccine, things are going to get better. Once 2021 comes, it's all going to be better. I found myself playing that game. Well, let me ask you something. What if like 1940 was a really, really bad year? That was the movie, A Christmas Story. I love that movie. I didn't know it took place in 1940 or that was supposed to take place in 1940. I always thought it was the 50s. Then I looked it up and the the little orphan Annie decoder that he uh, gets, that, that gives it all away. So that's a 1940 decoder. So it's 1940. If you're living in 1940, you might not like 1940. You thought next year's gonna be better. Actually, your country's gonna enter into the second great war the next year. And things are gonna get a lot harder. So we might just assume, well, 2021 is going to be better. What if it's not? What if World War III breaks out? I mean, Lord forbid it. But it could be worse. Or 2021 is better for everybody else, but it's terrible for you. And I'm not trying to make you depressed this morning. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to be a realist here. What guarantee do we have about tomorrow to talk the way that we talk when we go, well, once blank happens, everything will be better? We don't know. We don't have this guarantee. The only guarantee we have is that there is a tomorrow way down the line at some point where Jesus is going to return and then everything will be better. But as far as the next day on the calendar goes, we have no guarantee. Next year on the calendar goes, we have no guarantee. In fact, it's unwise to talk this way. James 4 tells us this. James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So James is saying it's it's unwise, it is sinful for us to go, oh, you know, just assume, well, we'll go do this, we'll go do this, we'll go do this. James, go, what is your life? Do you think you're in control of these things for you to talk this way? Your life is just a little mist that comes along and it's gone. James sounds a lot like Solomon. Sounds like he's read the book of Ecclesiastes. See, here's the thing about 2020. It had a lot of good days in it. Days that were filled with sunshine. Days that were filled with really hilarious conversations with people. 
Days filled with the blessings of technology where technology enabled us to still stay in contact with one another, still do our jobs, still participate in meetings, still do the things that we needed to do. Days in which some people in some industries actually got more business because of the way things played out this year. Days filled with a little more time at home with people that we love because life slowed down or because we're working remotely, because we flat out can't go anywhere. Days filled with good takeout food. Days filled with finding new ways to do ministry. I, one of the things about 2020 for us as a church is we are, we're real Baptists. I mean, I, I, we don't make, you know, we don't hide it. It's in the name of the church out on the sign. You know what I mean? Like straight up, we're Baptists. This is who we are. And here's the thing about Baptists is that we tend to be big process people. We, we like to have committees, we like to have processes. If we have an idea, we want to run them through the, the process funnel, and if it makes it out on the other side, then we'll do it. But it's got to go through all of that. And that can be really good, and that has a lot of advantages, but also sometimes opportunities may come and we miss them because we get so caught up in the process. By the time the idea gets to the end of the process, you've missed the opportunity to really do the ministry, right? So... One thing that 2020 did for us as a church is it flipped us and made us more of a pivot organization where we didn't have time to go through the process half the time. We had to make a decision on the fly and go, all right, we got to do this. We think this is the best way forward. Here are our options. We don't have a lot of time to think about this. Let's buy the camera. Let's start the live stream. You know what I mean? Like we had to go for it and that is going to benefit us in the long run. That we've got some pivot in us now and we're not all processed. So 2020 helped us to that end. 2020 had a lot of good days. But we might have missed the enjoyment of those days because we were wishing them away and thinking that things will be better when blank happens. And Solomon would look at us and say, no, 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 don't wish for tomorrow. Live for today. Enjoy today. Enjoy every day you have. Soak it up. You might not have that tomorrow. Tomorrow might be dark or you might not have tomorrow at all. Now some people think Solomon might be confused in this verse because in one breath he's saying, enjoy your life. The light is sweet. Rejoice in your years. And then in the same breath he's going, it's darkness and vanity. But he's not confused. He's a realist. He knows this is the tension we live in as human beings. This is the reality of our living. That darkness and vanity and sweetness and light sit up next to each other in this life that we live. And Solomon's point here is that the darkness, the vanity, that's the motivation for us to live our lives and enjoy them as much as we can. It's the fact that we know not all the days are sweet that should motivate us to really take in and enjoy the sweet days. You know the dark days are coming, so when the light is there, bask in it. We know that one day our lives will end. Maybe it's just me, but that really hits me some nights when I'm about to go to bed. I'm minding my business, I'm turning over, I'm about to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'll just thought, or I'll just be like, you know, one day you're really going to die. Like, you're just going to die. And it, and it hits you, and it'll cause me to freak out for a second, if I'm being honest with you. Not because I'm f fearful of death, I, I trust the Word of God when it comes to what comes after death, but getting dead is still a little scary. 
Especially because in my calling, I've been there with a lot of people as they have died. And I'm going to tell you, some people are blessed enough to die in an instant. But those who are not, dying is hard work. I can tell you that. I have seen it with my eyes. Some people take days and weeks and months to die, and it's hard work. But it's going to happen. Top left-hand drawer of my desk, I have my funeral service written out. I'm a preacher. I got my funeral service written out. I got who I want to preach, what songs I want to be singing, all of that. It's there because I know that day will come. You know that day will come. Solomon knew that day would come. So he's not confused here. He's just a realist. Life is short. There's going to be a lot of dark days in it. So when it's good, man, jump in and enjoy the goodness. Now, there's got to be some limit to this enjoyment, right? You can't just do anything you want, right? Well, let's look at verse 9. Solomon focuses this call to enjoy life on the people who are in the best position to enjoy it. Now, senior saints in the room, don't get offended at me, but it ain't you, okay? It's the youth, it's the young, that's who he says are in the best position to enjoy this thing. So he focuses his attention on them. And you know why? Because youth is an amazing thing. You feel indestructible when you are young. Teenagers feel indestructible. I remember... When I was like eight years old, I could go to a friend's house and I could sleep on a hardwood floor. Just give me a blanket and a pillow. I'd sleep on a hardwood floor and get in a good eight hours and get up and let's go, you know, play a baseball game. And if that happened now, if I slept on a hardwood floor for eight hours, I would need physical therapy for a month. Okay? Some of you, your first thing you would do when you woke up that morning is call the ambulance. That would be your first call if you slept on a hardwood floor for eight hours. But when you're a kid, you sleep anywhere. I had this giant wraparound porch in the house that I grew up in, and uh, my best friend was over, we were like 13 years old, and we were jumping off the back of the porch, and it was pretty high up. I'd say it was like 15 feet up in the air, because uh, the house, the way the house was, I'm not going to get into all that, but just trust me, it was high up. So then we were jumping off of it, and we thought we were real cool. Well, my friend David jumped off, and there was a mud patch down at the bottom he didn't see, and when he hit the bottom, his feet went straight up in the air and he landed on his rear and he broke his tailbone. That was on Saturday. This dude showed up at school on Monday. Because he's 13. When you're 13, you can break your tailbone and go to algebra class. Right? If that happened to you at 60, you're calling in work for weeks. You know what I mean? Like you're messed up for a while. You might even have to get a procedure done. He came to school on Monday. Then you get in your 20s. You get a little more particular, but not much. I remember when I was 25, I joined a softball team. I hadn't played in like seven years. And I got out there, just went to practice, whatever. I woke up the next day, I didn't feel anything. So then last year, I was 35, I joined a softball team. And I hadn't played since I was 25. And we had a practice, and I didn't stretch. You know, I'm, I don't need to stretch. And I went out there, and I played and had practice. And I woke up the next morning, and my torso was on fire, and I could barely walk when I got out of bed. Because 35 is different than 25. And some of you have told me 45 is different than 35, and 55 is different than 45, and so on. So if you're young this morning, if you're a teenager and you're here, let me tell you something. You're in a great position to enjoy life. Find what you love. Do it. 
Be passionate about it. The Bible encourages that. Find cheer in these years. Live your life to the fullest. But God wants that for all of us. Just because the young are in the best position to enjoy it, it doesn't mean that, the, that uh, everybody else can't enjoy life. Middle-aged people can enjoy life. Senior saints can enjoy life. Don't tell my friend Margaret Powers that she's not in a position to join life, uh, to enjoy life. If you knew Margaret, she's moved away now, but Margaret was here for decades and an incredible woman of God. She's in her mid-90s. She came to church one time. She said, oh, Pastor Michael, did you hear me screaming? She's Swiss. And I said, hear you screaming? I said, you okay? She said, Roger Federer was on the TV last night playing tennis, and I was screaming. I thought all of Seaford could hear me. And I just imagined this woman at the time, I think she was about 92, jumping up and down in her house and going crazy because her Swiss hero, Roger Federer, is on TV playing tennis. A couple of years ago, she's, she's well past the 90 mark at this point. She went to Switzerland by herself to go visit her family. I'm 36. I don't think I'd go to Switzerland by myself right now. The last time I saw her, she came to say goodbye before she moved to Michigan with her family. She drove up to the church in her minivan, doing about 35 through the parking lot, whipped the van into the parking space like she was a teenager driving alone for the first time, and uh, just about sprinted into the church full throttle. That's Margaret. Age was nothing but a number to her. So the youth are in the best position to enjoy it, but you can enjoy life no matter what your age is. And here is the thing about our God and this life that he's given us. He is a green light God. He's a green light God. That's how I want to be as a dad. I want to be a green light dad. If my kids ask me to do something, if it does not break a commandment of the Lord or break their bones, I want to say yes. That's not who I am at my core. I'll be honest with you. I'm a red light dad. I'm a neat freak, and I don't love noise, and I'm overly cautious. So I tend to want to say no to them more often than I need to. One of my goals for 2021 is to be more of a green light dad. God is a green light dad. He's a green light father. He says yes to his kids far more often than he says no. You see this in the garden, Genesis 2. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. So listen to the first thing God says in the command. It's not, don't eat from this tree. He says, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. We so often blow by that, we go right to this tree we're not supposed to eat from, right? Adam and Eve we're not supposed to eat from. But before he says, don't eat from the one tree, he lets them know in his command, you may surely eat from all these other trees. How big was the garden? We don't know. Was it the size of Newport News Park? Was it the size of Central Park in New York? Was it the size of Yosemite? We don't know. What we do know is there was a lot more green lights than red lights in the garden. In fact, before you get to any red lights in Genesis, you're getting green light commands from God. Go and multiply. Subdue the earth. Fill the earth. It's about what they are to go and do, not what they're not allowed to do. So much to the surprise of legalists everywhere, God is not a killjoy. That being said, he's also not one of those parents who lets their kids jump off the house onto the trampoline. 
Solomon lets us know there are some guardrails. He reminds us, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. God is watching you. Ultimately, he will judge your life. And there are things that are outside the boundaries of obedience, and we will have to answer for how we live our lives. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes what? Comes judgment. One day we're going to have to stand before God and we will have to give an answer for how we lived our lives, for how we spent our time, for what we spent our passion on and our money on and our days on, for what we counted as being good with our eyes. And God the Father will have His Son, Jesus Christ, judge the secrets of our hearts and our lives. Romans 2.16 says, On that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So no stone is going to be left unturned. No detail will go unjudged. And that day of judgment might seem like a long way off to you, particularly if you are young, particularly if you are a teenager here this morning. You might think, well, that's never going to come. It could be closer than you think. Your age does not guarantee that judgment day is a lifetime away. My grandfather is buried at Red Lane Baptist Church, and I was going to go see his grave when I was home this weekend. I didn't actually make it there. It was getting dark, and it was really cold. But I was reminded as I was going there, I said, is there anybody else's grave there that I would want to see? There's a lot of people I know that passed away there. And I was reminded of Nick, a young man who was 12 years old in my youth group when I was a teenager who got pneumonia and shockingly died in the hospital, and none of us could believe it. The whole youth group was at his funeral. I've never forgotten that. Twelve years old, gets pneumonia, you think, oh, he'll kick it, you know, he'll be fine. And he wasn't. Because the reality is, is that life is fleeting, and judgment day could be tomorrow, no matter what our age is. The judge is always watching. Judgment is always imminent. So everything we do, everything we decide for our lives, it matters. And the trees that we decide to eat from will come under the judgment of the Lord. So we should be careful and we should be discerning about it. What we touch and what we taste and what we smell, what we hear, what we see, what we do. And if you're not a believer, the only way that your judgment does not end in eternal punishment is for you to repent of your sin, to agree with God your sin is evil, to turn from your sin, to put your trust in the work of Jesus, to die for you on the cross, to resurrect for you from the grave. And if you are a believer, don't think, well, I don't have to do the judgment thing. Jesus was judged for me on the cross. That's true. You don't have a heaven and hell judgment coming because Jesus already dealt with that for you at Calvary, but you do have judgment coming. 1 Corinthians 3 makes this clear. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, this is Paul talking, he says, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, if there's a foundation in your life, a spiritual foundation, a true spiritual foundation pleasing to God, that foundation is Jesus Christ. Point blank, end of story. And then we, in our Christian lives, build on that foundation just as people would build on Paul's ministry. If you build on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that's going to have one result, or you can build on it with wood, hay, and straw. 
Paul says, each one's work will become manifest for the day, talking about judgment day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. The work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So you put gold and silver and precious stones through fire, it's refined by the fire. But wood and hay and straw don't survive the fire. So the things we do for ourselves, the things we do that are wrong, the things we do that dishonor the Lord, the things we do that are, that are selfish and self-absorbed, these things are going to burn up like wood and hay and straw. But the things that we do unto the glory of God will be like gold and silver and precious stones. So enjoy your life, but enjoy it responsibly. Enjoy it as somebody who knows the Lord is watching over you. The day of judgment is going to disclose what you have done with your time. Every day is an opportunity for you to honor the Lord and enjoy your life. And every day is also an opportunity for you to dishonor the Lord. So be careful. We need to remember what Paul said to Timothy. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This is why the Word of God is so important in your life. The Word tells you which tree to eat from and which tree to avoid. Which tree is good and which tree is sinful. It tells young people, it tells old people, it tells everybody in between. It shows us the green light character of our Father, but it also shows us how there are things that He restricts and there are things that He fences off, and He does that for our own protection. He does that for our own joy because He knows these things will harm my children. These things will harm their families. These things will break their hearts over and over. They will suck the light out of life and lead them into darkness. His Word plays... Not only that role where it helps us discern, his, role, his Word plays the role of organizer for us because as we find passions and as we pursue those passions, God speaks to us every day in His Word and reminds us that while you may enjoy this thing, the thing itself is not supreme. I am supreme. It keeps our priorities in order. He reminds us, eat from the trees, but I'm Lord over the garden. Reminds us that He deserves all glory. So, if you're faithful to the Word, you'll be reminded that, hey, if you make crafts, good. Make crafts unto the glory of the Lord. If you're a small business owner and you're an entrepreneur, that's great. Pursue that. Pursue it hard. Do it to the best of your ability, but do it unto the glory of the Lord. You're a musician? Awesome. Artist? Awesome. Create unto the glory of the Lord. Are you an athlete? Do you run? Do you play golf? That's great. Do it unto the glory of the Lord. There's no activity that we do in these spaces that we enjoy that's not granted by the Lord and that should not be done to His glory. So as we enjoy the activity... As we enjoy the golf, as we enjoy making crafts, as we enjoy playing music, as we enjoy creating art, or whatever it is that we do, we stop in the joy and we go, this is from God. And we worship Him for the fact that He has given it to us and He has gifted it to us. 
And then we do that thing in such a way where it would draw attention not to ourselves, but to Him. Maybe that's you sharing the gospel out on the golf course or being generous with your golf tips. Maybe that's the type of crafts you make. Maybe that's the integrity you have as a small business owner. There's a lot we could talk about there. But His Word is a giant flashing billboard every day reminding us that whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And that is why this morning on on your way out at the sign-up table, we've got Bible reading plans out. We've got two options. One is the F260 plan, if you're a little busier takes you through pretty much just the narrative of the Bible, and it's five days a week instead of seven, and if you've never done a Bible reading plan and you're intimidated by it, that might be a good start, and we also have a 365-day plan out there that's chronological, so it'll take you through the story of the Bible in order, starting with the book of Genesis, so they're both out there. If you are worshiping with us at home, just go to our website, go to Next Steps, and both the Bible reading plans are there under Next Steps. Uh, at the little Bible study icon. But make sure as we go into 2021, the word is primary. But as we start this new year, this is what we need to do. This is how we apply the passage. Love your life, enjoy it. It's my message to you this morning. With all of those caveats that we've built around it, and that Solomon has given us regarding the judgment of the Lord and making sure we're doing everything unto his glory, but love your life and enjoy it. If things get worse in 2021 and we're all wrong about what we've been saying all year, well, it can't be worse than 2020, reject the impulse to look at the next day on the calendar and say, well, things will be better when blank happens, because you could be writing off your final days. You could be wishing away the last bit of light you're going to have in this life. Remember when you were a kid and you thought, well, I just can't wait till I can drive. And then you're like, oh man, I just can't wait till I move out. Oh, I just can't wait till I you know, get a job and buy a house. Then you're 30 with a mortgage and you're like, man, I kind of miss being a teenager. I didn't have to do that much back then. We might just wish away the days of the pandemic and find something worse. Or the whole world moves on from the pandemic and something worse enters your life. Or, and this might be the most tragic, is things do get better and life is pretty good, but you failed to mature in Christ during this hard time because you never stopped and counted your blessings and enjoyed them on the dark days and you pretty much just complained your way through the whole thing. Every day is a day the Lord has made. Every day is a day to rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is a day filled with new mercies. So the best way to move on from 2020 is to enjoy our life and to worship God in that joy in, in, in um, the next year. Whatever comes our way, whatever our age is, He's a green light God. There's a lot of trees to eat from. Go find them and eat and give Him all the praise and all the glory for every ounce of pleasure you enjoy in this new year. I want to close up this morning by praying from the Valley of Vision. It's a Puritan prayer book. Uh, 